Hello everyone and welcome back to The Griot with Debbie. Got a question for you. Have you ever noticed that when you read your Bible, you notice how Jesus would go into all kinds of places and he would even interact with people that it was taboo, you know, you don't you don't interact with lepers and you don't interact with, you know, people of ill repute. Have you noticed that he didn't have a problem with that? And so today, I want to talk to you about leaving our comfort zone to do the work of the Lord. Jesus um, left his comfort zone, first of all. He left his heavenly home. He left his Father, God, and was willing to come down to this earth and live among us to be the living word, to show us what God looks like. He was willing to leave his comfort zone and come to a world of sin. And not only leave his comfort zone, but when he came down here, he had to actually interact with all kinds of sinful and diseased kinds of situations. And, you know, when we think about how he was willing to do a lot of things, like go to a place called Samaria, a place that the Jewish people, you know, did not want to go through Samaria. It was a shortcut to get where they were going. But they would go the long way because they didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Because sometime before that, after the kingdoms split, the two kingdoms, uh, the Jews intermingled with the Samaritans when they were overtaken by uh, Babylonian, the Babylonians. And they, um, they intermarried and they had children that were mixed breed and they became the Samaritans. And they hated them. Both groups didn't like the other. But it's interesting that in the Bible, God always used a Samaritan, the least of those, to be the one that took the high road when it came to how they lived their lives and so forth. Well... I don't know if you recall, but in the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus deliberately went through this country called Samaria. uh, Samaria. And the Bible says he needed to go. He needed to go. And we get the impression from that that he knew he was already setting things up to meet the woman at the well. He wanted to take the gospel to her. He wasn't afraid for uh, the Jews calling him, you know, uh, names or maybe even calling him a traitor because he chose to go through Samaria. He had a purpose. He was on a mission. And we are called to go on a mission too. And our missions um, ordained by God are not necessarily comfortable to us. He met with that woman. He talked to her and it was, it was t- taboo. You don't talk to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. And because of that, he changed her life. She became saved. And then she went and told all the other people in town. She was a woman who was there alone because of her lifestyle. She was a woman of ill repute. And uh, normally women would go to the well together. But she was alone because of her status in in society. And um, yet... Jesus met her where she was 
and changed her life. All because he was willing to go where we might not be willing to go. And then there was a story about the paralytic man in John 5. This man says there, he was at this pool, and this pool of Siloam, I think it was called, I believe, um, every now and then the angel would touch the water and it would bubble up, and whoever got there first would get healed. So this was a, a resting place for all people with all kinds of maladies, illnesses. I mean, they could be paralyzed, um, they might be blind, or whatever the situation is, and they kind of hung out at this pool waiting for that angel to stir up that water so that it could heal someone. And this man, when Jesus encountered him, told him, you know, I've been paralyzed for 38 years. And um, every time the water bubbles up, I don't have anybody here to take me to the pool so I can get healed. So to me, that indicated that this man was alone and that there was nobody there, no follower of Christ, even perhaps there to help him, to talk to him, to to try to win him over to the Lord, you know, nothing. He was just kind of like on his own. And then Jesus told him, be healed. And he picked up his, his mat and he got up and walked away, completely healed. And then there was this really amazing incident where Jesus had just fed all these people, thousands of people, with a small amount of food. And then got off the boat and they went into this area called Gad and uh, there was this there was this man called legions who was filled with thousands of demons and the Bible indicates that he was alone too obviously nobody had tried to help him out or tell him about the gospel Um, they were afraid of him they ran from him he would break the chains and people were afraid to get around him. So he was in a really bad situation. And yet Jesus got off that boat with the disciples and walked right up to him and interacted with him and healed him of the demons. In fact, he cast the demons into the swine or the pigs and they went down into the water and drowned. Now, would you have done that? Would I have done that? Would we have gone up to somebody that was appeared to be mentally ill out of their minds and tried to speak the things of the Lord to that person? Again, Jesus went where we won't go. And then in Matthew, um, in the Luke 5, 27, 28, Matthew, his name was Levi before he was converted or called to follow Jesus. He was a tax collector. And tax collectors were not the best people in society, especially with the Jewish people, because they were working for the Roman government and they were doing things. They were taking, charging more tax money than they should have. And the Jewish people felt that they were also traitors. So they were looked upon as some of the lowest people in society. And there was uh, not only was Matthew called to follow Jesus and he followed him immediately, but we also see later in um, Zacchaeus, who was uh, this short man, he was a tax collector and he was despised by the people because of his, his occupation. Um, Jesus noticed him. 
he couldn't see for the crowd. He was short and so and short in stature. So he got on a, a a tree, a sycamore tree, so he could see him when Jesus came by. And out of that whole crowd, Jesus noticed him and said to him on his way past, I will have dinner with you tonight. I'll be at your home to fellowship with you. And as a result, when he did come to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus came to Christ. He confessed his sins of charging people more money and said he would give them back more, um, even more than what he distorted, with more than what he had extorted from them. And um, this man became a saved man. Again, would we go where Jesus went? Would we call someone who was doing illegal things like that to our home to dine with us say we were going to go dine with them and try to share Christ and then there were the lepers in Luke 17 11 through 19 there were 10 lepers who apparently felt comfortable coming up to Jesus and talking to him and um, saying, you know, please, they were, the Bible says they were at a distance. They, they kept their distance because that's what they did. And even though they knew Jesus was someone special, he wasn't just man, they res- respected that and kept themselves at a distance from him. Kind of sounds like today with the coronavirus going around, how we have to keep our distance. The only thing we don't do is say leper, like they had to cry out leper ahead of time. But these 10 lepers, and I believe it, uh, it's, it's very clear that one of them out of the 10 was a Samaritan. So here we go again with that. This particular person was not only uh, looked down upon because he was a Samaritan, but he was also looked down upon because he was a, he was a leper. And the others who were, the other nine were looked down upon because they were lepers, but Isn't it interesting how we can all be in the same boat regardless of what happens? So it didn't matter whether this man was a Samaritan or a full-blooded Jew or whatever. He was in the same position. He stood on this level ground with those other nine lepers because he was, in fact, a leper. Isn't that what we see today? We are, this virus knows no zip code. It doesn't care if you live in Beverly Hills and you're rich and you're an actor or actress or you're some kind of a celebrity or some. It doesn't matter if you play for the NBA or the NFL or or any of the sports. It doesn't matter, you know, if you are um, a big CEO or if you live in the hood. This virus is no respecter of any of that. Anybody can get it. And... So this, this story about the lepers kind of reminds me of that as well. And Jesus, they begged Jesus to heal them, and he did. He healed all 10 of them. And they all went running off. Uh, he had told them to go to the priest and tell him, you know, that he was, they were cleansed, and they there was a certain protocol that they had to follow. And those nine were Jewish people, so they were proceeded on to do that. But only one of them t- thought about it and came back, and that was a Samaritan leper and he fell down on his knees before the Lord and thanked him for healing him and the Lord said weren't there 10 lepers and only one has come back to say thank you and so in this lesson we can also learn we can learn a couple things one thing is 
that the least of that group, he was a double whammy, he was a Samaritan and a leper, was the only one that came back to thank, to acknowledge the Lord, to say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And that because he did that, the Bible says he actually got saved. He was saved. Those other nine got physically healed, but this one was spiritually saved and he would now have a place in heaven. So he got a blessing for coming back to say thank you. And there's always a lesson in this. You know, I've had, I've struggled with people in my life who don't acknowledge something you've done for them. Um, I've, you know, we live in a small development here. There are only 38 houses here. And um, when the new people move, when people move out and new people move in, we take, my husband and I walk over and take them a freshly baked loaf of pound cake, one of my specialties. And we also take them two daily breads and we give them contact information on us in case they need anything. And you know, we've done that several times since we've been living here, the 27 years we've been here. But I think there's only been one person Well, I take that back. I believe there are two people out of the many people who have written a note, left it in our box, or or have done something to indicate their gratitude for what we did to welcome them here. And then I've had Christian friends say, well, you know, you don't do that just for, you don't do that just to get thanks. You just do it regardless. Of course. And if that were the only reason I did it, I wouldn't continue to do it and take that risk and do it for others you know, that have come in after those people had moved in. But this scripture in Luke about the 10 lepers shows me that even Jesus noticed that there was only one out of 10 that came back. He said, didn't I heal 10? And only one came back. So even Jesus is saying that there is a place for gratitude uh, when people do things for you. And um, I don't do things for people to expect that. But it would be nice for them to acknowledge, especially when you've gone out of your way to bake a, from scratch a home-baked um, cake or you've done something special for them and they haven't acknowledged that. So, <clears throat> and then there was one other thing I wanted to call to your attention on this podcast about going out of our comfort zones. Sometimes we have to leave our comfort zones and call leaders out call evil leaders out and I've had discussions with Christian friends and, and that of mine that we've talked about this issue and um, some you know some have different opinions about this but I feel the Lord is leading me to believe that uh, according to Luke 13 32 and 33 for example there are other examples in the Bible but in Luke 13 32 33 we see Jesus calling out evil We see Jesus calling out, uh, calling, actually calling Herod a fox, which was not a nice term. Um, And we see him telling, telling them to tell Herod that he had his, he was about his father's business doing what he was supposed to be doing here. He was healing people. He was opening the eyes of the blind. You know, he was healing um, paralytics and and, and people like that and doing these kinds of works and, and sharing the gospel with these people. So there are times when John the Baptist and even the disciples, John the Baptist called out Herod for his um, illicit relationship 
with his with Herodias, who had been the wife of his brother. And as a result, John the Baptist became they were, was beheaded for that. Um, the disciples did the same things when they were locked up in jail and told not to preach, not to ever say anything else of, uh, about the gospel. And they, they went out and did it anyway. And when they were told later, we told you not to preach, they said it is better to obey God than man. So yes, sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zones and call out people, not to mention the Pharisees that Jesus called out on numerous occasions. On numerous occasions, he told them that they were putting um, laws on people that they themselves were not following and that they themselves, they were putting things on people that they couldn't do and that they needed Jesus to do it for them. And he, so they had no problems with calling out people. And sometimes we are afraid as Christians to call out people. We don't have to be rude and call them names, but we need to say, thus saith the Lord. And I've tried to do that on Facebook and social media. I've brought scriptures up and said, the Bible says this, this, and this. And that means that we are to um, speak what God says and, and, and hold that up as a template as to what we see our leaders doing, um, whether they be in the pulpit or in the White House. It doesn't matter wh- what leaders they are. We can respectfully call them out because Jesus did it and his followers did it in the biblical days and we need to get in a place where we're doing that as well. Also, um, I, I wanted to give you some examples of how God has called me to some hard places to minister that I didn't want to go to. I didn't. Now, back in 2009, my husband and I went on a wonderful cruise to Australia. We traveled, we flew to Australia and we sailed from there and we went to Tahiti and Bora Bora and you know, a lot of a lot of places and we ended up in Hawaii. It was it was a wonderful once in a lifetime experience. While we were on that cruise, um, we would always, one of the things we enjoyed doing on the ship, because we had a lot of sea days, was to go to karaoke every night. And I, you know, I'm a singer. I like to sing. and My husband likes to sing. Um, we were into music. In fact, I was a music teacher, for those of you who may not know. So music is a big part of my life. And so we would get up and sing songs, um, maybe Motown songs or whatever, in karaoke and some of the Australian people, there were more of them on the ship than us. They would love it. And they got to know us. They got to know our names from singing in karaoke. And when we would see them on land, when we had when we docked somewhere, we would see them in the store and they would say, hey, Debbie, hey, Al. They knew our names because we were up in the spotlight singing. Well, later on in the cruise, uh, it was announced that they were going to be there was going to be a talent show on the cruise the, the next to the last night that we would be on the ship. And some of these same people who knew us would say things like, are you all going to be on the talent show? You go-? They were asking me specifically, are you going to be on the talent show? No, no, not this time. I think I'm going to sit this out and watch, just watch, be a spectator. Well, hmm. The next morning I was having my quiet time in our cabin and I clearly heard the Lord say, you're singing in the talent show. And you know, the Lord doesn't scream things out at us. He just speaks in a very soft, calming voice. And I know when I hear him that I cannot say no to him, even though I wanted to. 
I really wanted to. And I learned a lot about myself. I was 61 years old at that time. And I learned that I had peer pressure because my thoughts were, well, you know, I've been up there singing Motown songs, you know, singing Temptations or this one or that one and doing backups and stuff. Why? What are they going to think if I get up there and sing this Christian? And he told me that he wanted me to sing a song that I wrote called Priorities. He wanted me to, he said, you don't have an excuse. You don't need an accompanist because you can accompany yourself on the piano. Um, you, you know, some of the other people that were doing acts, uh, they were using MP3 players to, to put their music to and all. But I didn't have to do any of that. I, I, I was a one-man show, and I was terrified. I told my husband what I felt God was saying to me, and I said to him, I know I'm not not getting out of this I know that I have to say yes to it so even he said I said well what would you do he said well I would be I would be nervous and uh, kind of afraid about it too and so um we got a call in our cabin that there were more people that what we were supposed to following day we were supposed to have um go down and sign up for it and I went to sign up for it and later we got a call saying that there were many more people who signed up for it than they expected. So they were going to put ha- people's names in a hat and draw names to see who would be the ones that would go in the show. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll get off the hook because um, maybe they won't draw my name. And, um, <laughs> well, you know, when God speaks, you know that it's a done deal. So they called the cabin again and said, we drew your name out of the hat. And so I said, okay, Lord, you're telling me that this is real, that I'm doing it. And of course, I was going to do it. I was just scared. And later on, they even said, um, we decided, some people were upset about the hat thing, so we're just going to let everybody who was in the show, be who signed up for the show to be in it. So we had a, it was on a Sunday when they had the show, and we had a dress rehearsal earlier that day. And I was really nervous about what I was going to do. The words were deep, but this song um, was my song. It it spoke about my relationship with the Lord. It wasn't like preachy, preachy to people. And God is so good because he gave me the grace to do it at the rehearsal. And when I finished, there was a child up in the balcony. It was a closed rehearsal, but there was a child up in that balcony uh, of that room because that was the biggest room. That's where they did all the shows and all. And she clapped for me when I finished. And it was like God was showing me um, he was pleased through this child. Um, I don't think she clapped for the other acts, but she clapped for me. And I needed that for encouragement because I was I was really afraid. Well, later that afternoon, the talent show started. And I was, uh, amazingly, I was in the middle of it. It was like 13 or 14 acts. And I was kind of like the middle. I want to say I was like number 10 or 11, something like that. And in the show... Um, there were uh, people telling dirty jokes. There were, um, you know, dances. And they had a couple, one person played the piano, uh, different things like that. Um, and here I was, the only one up there that was doing something deep, that was spiritual, that was risky. And when they called my name, you know, they asked me where I was from and what I was going to do. And I talked about this song I had written for this play. And I was going to sing that. And I sang it. And I did it afraid. And it was amazing because when I hit the first note, 
uh, I was at the piano. They had hooked me up with a mic. So I was kind of doing like, you know, this um, sit down thing with the mic. Um, I was able to hit that first note and just run with it. And um, I don't know what God was doing with that, but I know that I, I obeyed him. I went where he would have gone. And I said to myself, I only would come this way once, maybe. I mean, never come to this part of the world again. And I don't want to miss this opportunity. And so I did it. And when I was leaving, a woman stopped me from the auditorium and asked me to, if I would uh, email her. She gave me the her email address. She lived in Australia. She asked me if I would email her the, the lyrics to the song, and I did. And later when I ran into people on the ship, children, teenagers, amazingly, uh, would see them when I was getting food, and they would say, that was a wonderful song you did. And they were just... Um, praising me and then there was a black some black people from Baltimore who we met going into the dining room and they said um, I really admire the courage that you showed in doing that and I really um, it's making me want to share my faith more and then another guy told us um, they were from Texas another another couple said that when he was in the balcony when the show was going on there were people sitting there saying I don't want to hear this But surprisingly, they stayed in their seats. They could have gotten up. It was standing room only. The place was packed and um, they could have left. But but it was it was like a miracle. So I also have one other thing that I would like to share about um, how we can get out of our comfort zones. I went to I go to these annual Christian conferences, Revive Our Hearts, that's in um, Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, a couple of years ago, I went to one and the man had spoken on, you know, some of the things I'm saying about we, we're afraid to go where Jesus went. And we, after he spoke, he was the last speaker before we were dismissed for dinner. We walked from the convention center um, to eating places, which were very close by. And every, I had never seen so many homeless people in my life on the street. Every, every step you took, there was somebody sitting on the street homeless, black, white, Hispanic, didn't matter. And I had never seen that many people piled up like that. And so I began to engage these people on my way to dinner. And I would say, what's your story? And this one Hispanic man was telling me his story about, um, you know, he was from Florida and he came to Indianapolis to work and, and, uh, to find work. And, uh, he came alone and, um, fell on hard times and just had a family that he left back in Florida. And it was just, a mess and I prayed with him and I gave him some money and I said to him you pay this forward when you get on your feet now the thing that I thought was interesting about it is that there were 7,000 women at that conference they were from all over the world who had come for that conference and they were all walking with in the direction where I was going to go find places to eat and whatnot and they uh, walked past these people and didn't say a word to them and that really got me to thinking why is that? And then when I left my dinner and was on my way back to the convention center, I saw, I ran into um, this one guy that was lying on the ground, a young boy. He looked like he was in his 20s, early 20s. And he was lying there and he seemed to be, he looked like he could have been dead. And I was worried. So I started to um, talk to him and say, are you okay? And he wouldn't respond. And I was worried. He was just lifeless. And he was lying in front of this um, 
store that sold steaks and hamburgers and things like that. And um, I laid hands on him. And then this one woman had come up and she was from the convention too because she we all had these tote bags they had given us. And I mean, we all knew we were from that conference. But she uh, she stayed there for a moment and she was trying to get him up too. And then she finally left and went in, went somewhere or went back to convention center. And I stayed with him and I um, laid hands on him and I started begging God to raise him up because I, I thought he was dead. He wasn't responding. And I prayed, prayed for him and um, and all of a sudden he started to, to move and he raised up and I started asking him questions. I said, where, where are you, what happened to you? Why are you out here? What's your story? And so he was telling me, you know, his family got up and left and went to Iowa somewhere and he was there and he became homeless and whatnot. And I said, are you hungry and would you like me to buy you something? And he said, yes. So I took him and another guy that was there who knew him. They both were on that corner. And the other guy had a wife that was across the street, um, homeless. His, his whole family was homeless. And I took them into the um, store and I bought them something to eat and something to eat and um, gave them a, a few dollars. And I told them and I, and I reminded them to pay it forward to other people. And when I was walking out of the store, I heard the one guy say to the other one, God is real. God really is real. Jesus is real, you know, because of what I had been able to do. Now, I'm not sitting here on this podcast bragging about myself. I'm just saying that I wouldn't have done that either in the past. I wasn't always good at those kinds of things. But God showed me that I had to get up and I had to act on the Great Commission, and I can't be afraid to go places, and I can't be afraid to, you know, share my faith and help people who are in need. And I had said that was my last story, but I have one more that I really, really, really need to stress with you. Uh, where my husband and I used to live around the corner from that place, there was a uh, old motel, and the motel would, would breed prostitution, pimps, you know, drugs, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I had a Bible study I was leading in my ho- at our home at that time. And I told them one day, I said, the Lord put on my heart for me to go in there on a Saturday and witness to these people. And every a lot of people in the Bible said, don't go there. You know, you might get shot. The pimps and different ones, you know, they might do something to you. And I, I thought, well, how, how different is that from going, going to a foreign country and being in trouble, you know, getting in trouble? There are people being martyred in various countries all the time. So I, you know, I felt strongly that this was what I was supposed to do. But I told them, you know, you have to listen to God for yourself. And I, I said, I'm going this Saturday. And, you know, my my husband didn't even say he was going. But I got up to go. My husband got up to go. And he was supporting me. And then I had a another friend who also came. And we went to the place. We tried to do things decently in order. We drove up to the window to you know where the office was and I asked them if I was allowed to come in and share Christ with people in this horrible place and they said yes so we went in there and we did and we won we talked to some children about God we won one one to the to the um, to Jesus one of them came to Christ and it's something that really struck me one man that was in there we went to see he said I lived here for three to four years and uh, I'm a Christian I'm a born again Christian he said but all the time I've lived here no one has ever come in here to share Christ no one has ever come in here and I knew that it was God's will for us to go even though it was really risky 
So what am I saying to you today on this podcast? I'm saying start going places where Jesus would go. Let's, if we're followers of Christ, we ought to do what he did. He said, I do what my father does. I do what I see my father doing. And we need to do what we see Jesus doing. And we saw him doing in the scriptures. So I hope that this will encourage you, especially in a time when we're told to stay home, to be safe from this coronavirus. And we should, we should use wisdom. But I felt it, this kind of was what made me do this podcast, that we also, there is a time when we should get up when this virus is over, when we should not stay home and stay safe and be comfortable, but get up and go where Jesus went. And I guarantee you, there is no better feeling than to know that you did what God told you to do, even when you did it afraid. So everybody be blessed. God be with you. I pray that these podcasts are blessing you. I pray that um, you will share them. Not You will not only keep them to yourself, but please share them with the people who are in your world. That's another way that you can do this. Share them with others. And until our next podcast, God be with you. I love you. And I'll see you soon. Shalom.